Hey everybody, and welcome back to another Pink Bike Podcast. I'm Mike Levy, and we're recording this from Crankworks in Whistler, BC, where many of the world's best riders and racers have come together to throw down for the week. And while Crankworks definitely isn't a trade show, there are plenty of brands and brand people here for us to talk to. So we should probably do exactly that. Today, I've got Maxis's Aaron Chamberlain with me because we're going to talk all things tires from technology, construction, to challenges and testing, to why tires cost as much as they do and a whole bunch of other stuff. But first, Aaron, thanks for coming on. And what is your job title before we get into this? Uh, thanks for having me, Mike. It's uh, great to be here. It's great to be back in Whistler after a three-year absence. So yeah, super stoked to be back. Um, yeah, so I guess my uh, my title, we do a lot of different things. We're, we're a fairly small team overall, but uh, basically the uh, global marketing manager for all things bicycle. That does sound very serious. It global does. marketing manager. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the whole world. Right. Are you ready for some tough questions today? I am. Let's okay. go. Let's do it. Okay. I want to start with the question that everybody probably wants me to ask you. So I think a lot of people, me included, we look at these tire prices and we think like, how the heck can these things cost so much? Of course, people love to compare the tire prices of, of bike tires to car tires, which just isn't fair. They're yeah. very, very different things. Um, and I don't expect like a full breakdown or anything, but why do pretty much everybody's tires cost so much money? What are the factors going in here that make these things cost $100 or more? Yeah, so I would point out, you know, we do offer a broad spectrum of pricing. So, but yeah, definitely at the upper end when you're talking about having the best of the best, the best compound, the best casing, um, you know, it does it does get a bit pricey. Um, and there's a variety of factors. One, kind of as you mentioned, the economies of scale. Um, we make a lot of bicycle tires for sure. But um, when you compare it to like our automotive division, that's it's kind of a drop in the bucket. It's crazy when you look really? at the the difference in the the number of tires they produce, the size of their factories, et cetera. So that's part of it. Is um, it is it like ten to one car tires versus bike tires? Uh, probably, wow. if not more. Yeah. Holy um, cow! I had no idea. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Maxxis Auto Tires. We don't have a huge presence in North America. We're kind of known more for. Uh, certain niches like uh, like really like off-road stuff, extreme off-road, rock crawling, Jeeps, that kind of stuff. And then we do a little bit on the sports car world. So we have a drift tire. We have some like SCCA racing. Now we're talking. Of, yeah. <laughs> Let's just make this the drifting podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry for everyone <laughs> that thought this is about mountain biking. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, the raw materials certainly play a factor. Um uh, shipping right now is a very big factor. We have had recent price increases um, due to shipping, and that's, I mean, it's costing us anywhere from four to seven times as much to ship things as it did in 2019. So that's, I mean, that's, you know, we, we tried to kind of eat that as long as we could, but, you know, you can only... Yeah, you can like when it literally costs seven times more to ship a tire across the ocean. That's it's yeah. really starts to impact things. So are you are you guys getting like a like a sea container with 10, 20,000 tires in it at a time? Is that how that oh, yeah, works? Multiple containers like that. Yeah. Oh, wow. just, just like, yeah, like you see on the back of a, a semi truck. Just imagine, you know, many of those just chocked full of of tires. Who, who has to unload those and put them all into inventory? Uh, we have really awesome uh, warehouse teams in uh, in California and in Georgia that do that. So yeah, um, but yeah, going back. So um, 
you know, part of it is, uh, you know, the raw materials, the shipping. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, obviously certain processes are animated or automated, but there's a lot of, uh, hands that touch tire there's a lot of like you know physical labor involved in that too which that's part of the yeah part of the cost and then you know we are as kind of one of the premier brands um you know some of it is because you know we support racing we always have we've been um you know that's kind of where we we made a name for ourselves and what we're known for and um you know sponsoring big events like crankworks and sponsoring major teams like Mm -hmm. you know take your pick, you know, the, the, the syndicate or, or whoever, I mean, that's all, you know, that's, that's part of it as well. Just being a, you know, premium brand and, and, you know, being visible. So I, like it is mar- like marketing costs money. Right. Yeah. And I mean, people like world cup racing. We like world cup racing. Yeah. It's a, it's the premier proving grounds for our products. So like to be in that space, it costs money. And so that means that we have to charge a premium for our products if we want to be in that space. Like, you know, maybe we could sell tires for $50 a piece, but maybe no one would know about us because we don't have any money to put into marketing. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Am, Am I right when I say that there are a fair number of hands that those tires touch before they get the consumers a lot of times too? Like they're coming from a factory, they got to go to a distributor, a lot of times you're going to a bike shop as well before they get to the consumer. So, and each, I mean, everybody wants their share and that's, that's fair. And that's also a factor in raising the price. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's our, our current business model, um, where we, you know, yeah, we do, we sell to a distributor and then the distributor sells to your local bike shops. And we think that's important as well. We think having, you know, local bike shops and their knowledge and, um, we, we see value in that. So, um, yeah, this is this is how we're set up, and it's worked for us, and um, yeah, I hope it continues to work for us like this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're at we're at Crankworks right now, and if I was to go to the lift line and hang out for a little bit, I'd probably see four, five hundred minions, maybe more. Yeah. It's probably <laughs> the most popular tire that's ever been made, Aaron. Uh, I would I would agree. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure you don't have a number just off the top of your head for me, but like minions in a year like how first of all how many different kinds of minions are there and how many minions do you guys sell in a year roughly yeah so um as far as the the different variations that we have i think between the minion dhf and the minion dhr2 we have um roughly 60 different SKUs each for those so 120 minions you're talking about 120 variations of minion between the different sizing the different casing options the different compound options all that so um yeah it's a lot and then in terms of how many we sell globally in a year that's i mean that's hard to say i don't um i would have to imagine it's you know in the in the hundreds of thousands i would imagine. holy shit <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's a lot i mean i know we you know for for the north american market um we order you know thousands multiple tens of thousands of them at a time and um you know our big distributors do as well so you know that adds up then and that's just north america so yeah you know you start throwing in europe and australia and you know, New Zealand and everywhere else in the world. That's, it's a lot, it's a lot of minions. This episode is sponsored by Yakima. 
Look in your rear view mirror. Is your bike still there? Are those bungee cords still holding? Zip ties failed yet? Yakima has got your back with a rack for all your snacks and packs to get you to that Lomi single track. No whack. One bike, two bikes, three bikes, four. Bring your friends and even more. Check out our newest bike racks, Stage 2 and Hang Tight at Yakima.com. Through July, get 20% off using promo code PINKBIKE at checkout. There can't be anything worse than doing inventory in a tire warehouse, I imagine. Uh, like all yeah. those SKUs? All the SKUs. It's, yeah. Again, I mean, shout out to our to our shipping teams that have to do yeah. that and, you know, make sure that they get the, you know, the 27.5 by 2.5 Max Terra and not the Max Grip, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, usually those are... Um, you know, we we do sell some direct through our website, um, but uh, like I said, most of our well, you know, the vast overwhelming majority of our stuff is through um, through distributors. So those are shipped out in big cases and pallets and stuff like that. Yeah, so not ones and twosies. So I I work ish in the yeah. cycling industry, <laughs> <laughs> um, and even I get confused sometimes. Yeah, all these all these letters and numbers on the hot patch. I imagine like. Even from, obviously, from a consumer point of view, it would be nice if it was simpler. But from your point of view as well, wouldn't it be better if, like, things were simpler? Like, maybe, I don't know, do we not need as many different tires? It just seems crazy. That Yeah, and that's something, I mean, it's something we hear a lot. We see it, um, you know, we we hear it uh, uh, in in the comment sections. Yeah. We hear it in, uh, you know, emails from not, customers. Not on the pink bike comments. No, no, Everybody's no, no. nice there. Yeah, super, super <laughs> nice and friendly. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it is something we are working on. We're, we're very aware that it's, it's a problem because I mean, we get up and down the, the chain, you know, it's from like, it's confusing for the consumer, which is not good. It's confusing for bike shops. Um, I mean, it can be confusing for the distributors. So, and and yeah, (laughs) most importantly, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's something we're working on and I, I think, we like providing a lot of choice and people, um, you know, riding, you can really get so hyper specific with like your discipline and your yeah. conditions that we kind of want to cover all our bases, but there is, you know, there's a lot of overlap in our line and that's something that we're, we are, it's an ongoing project where we're trying to clean up our line, make it make more sense. Maybe. Yeah. Like, do we need to, offer some a super aggressive tread and a l- really light casing like maybe not like maybe that doesn't make the most sense <laughs> that's know? perfect for me yeah, see exactly <laughs> see and that's the thing like when when you know when whenever there's a, an article on tires or we launch something you look at the comments and people are like oh another maxis tire and blah 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 but they make too many tires but they don't make this one really super specific one that I want. Like yeah. this, you know, I want a minion DHF 2.55 and, you know, half XO casing, half downhill casing. I really want like, XO on one side, the yeah, right side of yeah. the tire. Right? Yeah. Cause you corner harder left. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So yeah, it's, it's just funny to hear that we get like in the same comment, we'll get knocked for having too many options. And then they're like, but they don't have the yeah. one super specific option that I do want. Yeah. So. But to be fair, like I'm, I'm putting you on the spot with that question, but to be fair, I feel like you're also kind of up against it because bikes are so capable these days, not just enduro bikes and downhill bikes, but like cross country bikes these days, even yeah. like if you set them up right, you can get pretty, pretty rowdy, have a lot of fun on them. And like all of a sudden you start looking for like tires that aren't 
you know, you might want that super light casing with a super rowdy tread pattern on the top, you know, which, yeah. I mean, is wasn't needed a few years ago. I don't know, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. And that and that's, like I said, it's going through our, it's going through our line, you know, basically tread by tread and, um, yeah, looking at, at where it makes sense to draw some lines and, you know, inevitably I'm sure we're going to nix someone's favorite skew of a tire and they're going to be upset about it but just don't just continue the hookworm (laughs) no actually the hookworms uh we've we've seen you know that's a tire that's been around forever um but we've seen a huge resurgence because the uh the like wheelie kids who like just ride our rdd blocks yeah exactly yeah (laughs) yeah so that's like the go-to uh tire for you know the the big BMX bikes that yeah. you see just the crews like rolling through New York riding wheelies all the time. How many 26 inch tires are you guys selling these days? The high end mountain bike tires, like tires that are, you know, uh, not, not many. Honestly, yeah. do you still it's, manufacture? We do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, and we, we still have the molds obviously. So, yeah. um, a lot of it is if the, you know, if a distributor wants to order some, that's, that's an option for them. But, um, it very little during the pandemic, it was funny. We actually saw a huge surge in 26 inch sales. Like a year before we, you know, we couldn't give them away. Why do you think that was? Well, a lot of people were pulling their bikes out of the garage, you know, since that was one of the, you know, few approved activities, yeah. you know, and being outside riding your bike, whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, people were pulling bikes out of the, out of the shed, out of the garage that hadn't seen the light of day in a few years yeah, and yeah. rolling them to their local shop and saying, make this rideable. And a lot of those were 26 inch bikes. So we literally sold out of all of our 26 inch inventory, like in 2020, it was, wow. it was pretty funny. So yeah. yeah. So there's, there's some out there, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, we, we still do stuff for, um, yeah, we, for dirt jumping, um, we have a few different options in, in 26, like the DTH and the Icon and a couple others. But mm-hmm. yeah, for the most part, I mean, you just don't, the, the, the demand's not there. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're not just going to produce them just to it, have on hand. So. It's a vocal minority online, I feel like. Yes. It's eight, yeah. it's eight people <laughs> asking for 26-inch tires over and over yep. and over again. Yeah. I love you guys. Never change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, I mean, you know, they're... Like we still offer some for sale, but as far as like, you know, the new tread patterns that we launched being available in 26, I'm sorry to break any hearts out there, but it's, it's unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned molds, Yep. which I'm going to come back to in a second. Cause I do have some questions about those, but first one more question before we move on OEM or mm-hmm. aftermarket sales. Do you guys do more tires OEM or more tires aftermarket? Uh, more OEM, I believe. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah, we do. We're OEM with uh, a ton of bike brands. You know, any, yeah. it, pretty much any major uh, mountain bike brand is specking Maxis at least on part of their line, if not the entire line. Yeah. yeah. How how early are people coming to you to spec their tires? Are they coming like two years in advance, three years in advance? Sometimes. Um. Usually a year and a half to two years okay. ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. A ways out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Molds. Can you tell me how much a tire mold roughly costs to make? I know they're pretty pricey. Yeah. You're, you're talking 
you know, depending on how intricate the mold is, like tens of thousands of dollars. So oh. they're they're and that mold is only good for that one specific size, right? So you can't yeah. you know, you can't make a twenty seven five mold work for a twenty nine or whatever. So, you know, it's it adds up quick when you're when you're making multiple widths of a tire and multiple yeah. diameters and then you need to be able to make more than one at a time, you know, you can't have everybody <laughs> standing around that one minion mold waiting for it to cook. It'd be a long ride up. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it really, molds are, are very, very expensive, um, to have made. So yeah. how many, like if I was to walk into the factory, would I see 200 molds on the go cooking tires? A hundred, fifty? I don't know. Uh, more. It's more. a lot. Yeah. Hundreds. Uh, hundreds of molds. Yeah. Probably yeah. a very hot factory. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's very. It's it's a really cool process. I've gotten to go to our factory a couple times, and it's in in Taiwan, and it's it's really it's a really cool. Just from, um, you know, just nerding out on manufacturing. Like it's yeah. it's, you can literally just walk the you know walk the factory from where the, you know, the rolls of casing material comes in, and like the the raw rubber comes in, and mm-hmm. and the the steel for like steel beaded tires, you know, it's just these huge spools of steel wire and then that gets wound into beads. And then, yeah, just to see the whole process is, is really, really cool. That sounds like something that I should come, come see in person when I'm allowed. Yeah. Yeah. We get, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if we can get you in there. How does, what does the rubber look like when it shows up? Like, is it just like a big block of rubber? Yeah. It's just kind of, um, so, yeah, it gets extruded into, I mean, basically just looks like a giant sheet of taffy that's been, like, folded over on itself. So it's big, like, you know, probably foot and a half wide, like, a ribbon of rubber, a yeah. um, couple inches thick. And then that just, like, is just layered back and forth on a pallet. And then that gets divided up, you know, however it needs to for whatever tire it's going on. So, oh. like, the triple compound tires is really cool to see happening because you have these like basically like three different strands because three different durometers of rubber so you have these three different strands coming together to meet and then they get like laid out on the tire casing so it's it's really cool process that machine sounds expensive yeah (laughs) (laughs) um how how long does it take to make a tire like if i was to follow that rubber Mm -hmm. and i want my minion to pop out on the other side is that like a two-hour process hour process um i mean if you're going straight through like i'm probably i mean less than an hour i would say yeah um so it all happens pretty quick interesting yeah yeah neat okay um let's talk about actually riding these things and let's talk about cutting some tires we've all we've all put a new tire on our bike and had one ride on it or a couple rides man yeah. <laughs> how how can we make these things sturdier? Like I feel like they should they should last longer in terms of reliability. And this of course this goes for everybody's tires. You know, it's I've I've cut everybody's tires all the time. Yeah. With the, it's very rocky where I live. I know you guys do different casings and all this kind of stuff, but I mean, what are the factors that go into making a tire more reliable? Yeah, so that's you know, that's definitely uh, a bummer whenever you're in that situation, you know, you've just dropped a bunch of money on a new tire and, and, you know, a couple rides in, you get a flat. Um, we always hate to see that. And, you know, we try to help out our customers wherever possible when we can, you know, make the situation right. But, um, 
I mean, a lot of it is uh, making sure that you're selecting the right tire for for where you ride and how you ride. And I think that's where maybe people should be a little more honest with themselves about why, why are you looking at about me? their. Uh, <laughs> about I just want the right tires. Yeah, <laughs> see, that's the, like you know, well, you know, we could get a complaint, something like that, and you know, someone's like, ah. Oh, this Aspen like blew up in the second ride. And then you, you know, you talk to the guy and he's like riding, you know, enduro trails on the front range of Colorado. And you're like, (laughs) well, I mean, yeah, we're definitely bummed you had a bad experience, but like maybe this isn't the right tire for how you're riding. Um, but as far as making a tire reliable, um, it's, it's always a balance, right? Because, reliability we're talking durability it usually means adding weight yeah um and that's you know people don't want a super heavy tire either no, so they don't. no so so it's hard to strike you know strike that balance and again that goes back to why we offer so many different versions of our tires is you know we want to have different casing and compound options to meet those customers needs for the different yeah. different terrain different riding styles etc so okay what, since we're talking about casings and reliability, mm-hmm. what is a TPI and how many should I have? Um, well, what's the old Boy Scout saying? Two is one and one is none, so you need at least two TPI. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, TPI is, is threads per inch, and so that's just how we measure um, the, the actual raw casing material. So it's just, it's just fabric, essentially, that comes in. It's a nylon fabric, um, so it comes on these huge spools to our factory. And... We basically have um, three different versions. We have 60 TPI, we have 120 TPI, then we have 170 TPI. I have a question before you move on. Are those other layers, are those additional layers of TPIs or is it a, a layer like folded over? How does that work? Yeah, so the way we measure TPI is from one single piece of, of fabric. So if it's, you know, it comes on a 60 TPI roll, like if that's, that's the material, um, when that tire is actually manufactured, the, the casing will overlap itself. Even a single ply casing is one, one sheet, right? And then you have your bead on either side. And so there's casing, bead, bead, and then casing folds over, casing folds over. So there's actually three layers, but it's that same piece of casing. Okay. Um, so, we, we still consider that 60 TPI. There's other manufacturers that will say this is 180 TPI because they're adding. So you have 60 on top of 60 on top of 60. Clever. That's 180. But what I always say, that's kind of like folding a $20 bill in half and then saying you have 40 bucks. You know? <laughs> I that's wish like, it worked that way. Yeah, right? You're yeah. like, no, dude, 40? Can I get my change? Yeah. Like, no. So, um, yeah. So, it, and again, the, the, that just refers to TPI, again, threads per inch, and that's the individual threads in one square inch of that material. So lower TPI, the individual threads are larger, um, heavier, but stronger. Um, more reliable. More reliable. So as you go up, 120 TPI, much thinner threads. You're packing twice as many threads into a square inch, right? So you're going from having 60 threads in this in- square inch of fabric to having 120. That means that threads have to be at least half as small to yeah. fit, right? And then 170, again, even more cramming more threads in there. What, why might someone want more TPI? What What is the advantage of that? If it's, it sounds like it's less reliable, maybe more prone to getting cut? 
Yeah. So again, it goes it goes back to what you're writing. Um, so higher TPI, so the 120 and 170 TPI casings, it's lighter weight. Uh, they're more supple. So that's generally what we see, uh, like you know, cross country racing and road racing. You want a nice supple casing. There's slightly less chance of flatting. Um, you know, like compared to like an enduro course to a cross country course, even though modern cross country courses are super gnarly, they're still, you know, the speeds are lower, um, generally. So you, you're sacrificing a little bit of durability, but you're saving weight and you're having a more comfortable ride because that tire is conforming to the terrain better. It's more compliant. So at the same pressure, mm -hmm. a 120 to a 60 TPI, the 120 might feel more forgiving is basically what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Okay. Yeah a bit softer feel to it yeah but it's not what i would want here if i was riding the park all day i would want a 60 tpi tire I would yeah imagine. It, yeah and so so when we so we have the 60 the 120 and the 170 tpi and then you start getting into our different casing options and we have you know our single ply casings which that could be again uh, it could be a 60 TPI single ply or 120 or 170. Mm -hmm. um, when you start getting the dual ply tire, so that's our double down, which is our casing that we recommend for enduro riders. That's two layers of 120 TPI. So when you start out, you're taking two layers of 120 and stacking them on top of one another, and then you build the tire. And for our downhill casing, it's two layers of 60 TPI. So that's why, like our our downhill tires are like you know. That's why they're heavier. That's why they're really robust. That's why it's a really damped ride quality to it. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, that's the difference in the you know having that higher T uh, the lower TPI and two plies of it, so okay. two layers of it. Yeah. Let's talk about your XO and XO plus casing. Mm -hmm. What is the difference? Actually, what, what is XO? So XO is it's just a, it's a rubberized fabric. It's basically our our name for this rubberized fabric that we developed, and that goes in the sidewalls of our tires. Um, we it's um, we've it's had just a, the sidewalls, just the sidewall. Yes, mm -hmm. not the top. No, yeah, correct. Yeah, um, and and we use that on a on a wide variety of our tires, everything from our our gravel line to cross country, and it's kind of it's kind of like our baseline. Uh, puncture protection um, and that exo and this is again where it gets it can get confusing and I understand why because um, you could add exo to any TPI casing right oh. and theoretically so you could have a 60 TPI tire with exo you could have a 120 TPI tire with exo you could have a 170 TPI tire with exo yeah. so the exo is just uh, just a fabric in on the sidewalls yep yeah and exo plus so Exo Plus, so we changed that recently. Um, the the initial version was 120 TPI casing with Exo in the sidewalls, and then an additional layer of Silk Shield that ran from bead to bead. And we kind of initially uh, in, intended that to be used kind of like on lighter weight e bikes. Mm -hmm. And I think the I think we e bike development and just bike development has really, you know, just it's been really fast the last few years, the last five years or so. And so we kind of got outpaced. Um, and it wasn't, um, it wasn't as durable as we wanted it to be, honestly. And so we kind of went back to the drawing board and did a bunch of testing, a bunch of different configurations. And, uh, what we settled on for the new XO plus, um, the one that's available now is it's a 60 TPI casing, mm -hmm. um, XO in the sidewall, and then it has a butyl rubber insert 
around the bead. And that's something that's borrowed from our downhill and double down enduro tires. And so it's a, it's, it's basically a little cushion around the bead that helps prevent pinch flats, gives a little bit of stability, um, and adds a little bit of increased sidewall durability as well. Yeah. That sounds useful, especially here. Like it's, it's easy to plug a tear or a hole in a tire when it's on the top, but it's a lot harder when it's down by that bead. Yeah. For which sure. is obviously the idea of the extra protection down there, so you don't have to do that. Yeah. What is your tire setup? What what bike do you ride? And what tires are your favorite? I assume they're Maxxis tires. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um yeah, the last few years I've 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 only had one mountain bike in the in the stable. Um I've got uh various other hobbies and um you know, I really I, I ride all the bikes. I have a road bike and a gravel bike and a track bike and a dirt jumper that just collects dust because would you, you know, ride more the dirt jumper or the track bike uh, <laughs> probably the track bike yeah. um but uh yeah so my mountain bike um i have a high tower uh santa cruz high tower the yeah. um the 2020 version so not the most recent version that came out um yeah. and it's just it's been a great bike um it kind of really suits the kind of riding i like to do i like to do really big big pedally yeah um backcountry kind of riding and but it's still um you know i've got it over forked so i'm running a 160 fork on the front so it can handle some some steep and chunk but it's still fun on the i, I live in atlanta georgia and um we have a lot of like janky in town single track that's just real tight and techy and weird and yeah um it's still fun to ride on that so um but yeah as far as tire setup goes um uh, Surprise, surprise, I'm a minion guy. <laughs> Who would have um, thought? I know. Um, but I actually prefer the uh, the DHR. So I've run... Front and rear. Front and rear, yeah. Um, Lots of front braking traction. Yes, yeah. So a lot of stuff I ride is, is really steep, and you just really want to, you know, I, I need all the big guy. Um, <laughs> so I run, you know, 203 rotors, downhill brakes, um, and then, you know, 2.4-inch minions, either... Most often in a double down um, casing these days. Yeah. Um, okay. But I did. Uh, I was running. Uh, we just launched the uh, a new version of the Forecaster recently, so I was I was riding that uh, for a couple months and um, yeah, getting ready for Whistler. Uh, you know, I, I swapped over some minions back on, put a fresh set of double down minions on with our our Max Grip, which is our nice sticky rubber and went for a ride and I was just like, Oh my God, this is so slow. Like <laughs> you should have put some acid guys on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but that, I, that speaks to having the right tire for the right terrain. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I like the acid guy, um, as well. It's a great tire. I just like the, um, um, I'm just the certain handling characteristics, like really getting over on the edge of the minion knobs. I really like that. Yeah. that feeling of you know almost like being on the edge of a ski like getting back and forth so yeah um where, whereas the acid guy is great it's super predictable all the way across but i kind of like that you know like yeah. you really got to get it over it's a i i have an opinion uh-huh imagine that <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought <laughs> it's misguided um i i sometimes think that i don't want all the traction i sometimes think that i want a tire maybe with less traction and maybe more fun because the bike is like sliding around more yeah. and stuff, stuff like that. Am I, am I completely out to lunch? No, I mean, 
Uh, yeah, like I said, riding that forecaster the last couple months, um, I did some of my regular, you know, backcountry rides and, um, it definitely added a little bit more zest to right? the descents, you know, where you're like, am I gonna make this corner? Yeah. You know? Um, and it, yeah, it really, uh, focuses you right? <laughs> even more. Um, so yeah, um, no, I don't, I, I think if you, if, it all again it all goes back to like your riding style and what you're looking for you know like i um you know you like getting a little loose and uh, that's that's great yeah. like you know i like big long stupid rides with lots of hike biking and you know I've, I've had to learn the hard way that that's not maybe everybody's favorite kind of riding and aaron rides alone in atlanta georgia <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Eventually, um, I've got one good buddy that likes to. He's just down for whatever. Like, yeah. But uh, those are the best buddies to have. Yeah, by yeah. far. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just like you want to like what is this little trail? You want to see where it goes? And he's like, yeah, sure. So, yeah. all I need my friends to tell me is if it's a one bottle ride or a two bottle ride or a one chocolate bar ride or a two chocolate <laughs> bar ride. That's all I need to know. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's go back to the factory for a bit. Sure. I want to talk about testing. I imagine that you guys have all sorts of crazy rigs to test stuff. Can you speak a little bit about that? Like, are you putting minions on some sort of fancy rig that measures, or any mountain bike tire, that measures like rolling resistance or durability and that kind of thing? Yeah, so we have all that. And um, I mean, we test the the compounds, we test the casings, uh, we do durability testing, we do, there's all sorts of like safety testing that's required that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a, a large majority of that happens at our factory in Taiwan. And then we also have a facility at our North American headquarters um, in Atlanta. And uh, we have R&D facility there that does um, does some other various testing and, um, you know, they do a lot of testing on competitors, tires there as well. That was my next question. Actually, you have to be riding everybody's tires. I imagine just like all these bike companies are testing everybody's bikes. They're literally going out to buy people's bikes, other companies' bikes. Yeah. Are you guys doing the same? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we test, um, you know, everybody's everything basically. Anybody launches anything new, um, you know, we're, we're trying to get our hands on it and, um, tear it apart, see how they put it together. And, and, uh, you know, when, whenever we do testing with our teams and athletes, um, you know, if, if there's a tire, a specific control tire we're testing against, sometimes that's one of our own treads. And, mm-hmm. but a lot of times it, it could be a competitor's tread. And so we're trying to see how, you know, how it stacks up, like yeah. what the differences are. It's hard to do blind testing with tires, though. It is. It really is. Um, how do you, how do you? It's obviously not blind. I imagine. How do, how do you do this? Um, well, we try to give them as little information as possible, right? Because they can look at a tread pattern and see if it's one we already make. Then, I mean, a minion's a minion, right? They're yeah. like, well, this is a DHF. So, yeah. um, but we don't tell them like if we've made changes to. The, we don't tell them what they're testing. Basically, we're like, ride this and let us know what you think. Um, and it could be around a certain parameter, like like let us know how the braking traction is let us know how like cornering traction is let us know how wet traction is right um so those things can vary but um but yeah so we don't you know if they're testing a new version of a compound or if they're testing a casing we're not like oh hey this is our new and improved casing and it's it's lighter and it should roll faster because then they're gonna be like oh this thing's lighter and it rolls faster. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going quicker. So, so it's, yeah, again, like you said, it's, it's hard to have like true blind testing when you're, you know, um, looking down at your front tire. Um, but yeah, we just don't try to keep as, 
uh, much information from them as we can. You just need like giant full fender sets. Yeah, right. These right? big fairings that just yeah. cover the cover the front. Some gorilla wheel. tape over the hot patches. <laughs> there you go, Greg. Hit it. Yeah. Actually, how how involved are your World Cup athletes in developing tires? Like, is someone like Greg riding a prototype, giving you feedback? You're changing it, that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, we. A lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the development happens on on the front end because kind of once you get to the stage where you're cutting a mold, um, you really want to be sure that you have things right because it's it's again a huge amount of money um, and it's it, it takes a lot of time to to get a mold cut. So hopefully, you know, by the time we're getting those things etched out, mm-hmm. um, the the tread patterns pretty much finalized because again, you can you can go deeper on a mold, right? But you can't add material back in. So if you went, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So if you cut a knob too deep and, um, you know, then you kind of got to, you got some tall knobs. Yeah. You got some tall knobs. (laughs) Here's your new mob tire, (laughs) everybody. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, feedback, um, just constantly throughout the year, you know, checking in with the teams, yeah. um, like how are things performing? Like where could we be doing better? And also just getting their insights as to um, what the competition's doing as well. Cause you know, all, all the riders talk, they know, mm-hmm. you know, they they know who's on what and who's going fast and et cetera. So try to get, um, you know, get those insights from them um, as to, okay, this, person is on this brand of tires and they're going really fast like what could it be that they're doing different but yeah for our own so we're gathering feedback constantly like that and then um you know if we're looking to redesign a tread pattern or develop an entirely new tread pattern we're like okay this is the this is kind of generally the area that we're we're thinking of this like okay what are you what's your wish list for a you know like really steep dry tracks or whatever like Mm -hmm. and then okay we want this kind of knob spacing this kind of knob height this kind of ramping um so then we take that into into consideration and then we start doing 2d drawings and you know share those all along the way give some different options like you know kind of which of these 2d drawings looks the most promising direction to head in Mm -hmm. and then from there once you get that narrowed down to you know maybe two to three different options that that people are liking or, or, you know, kind of variations on like the theme. Um, then we start doing 3d printouts. So that's really, that's really helpful, um, to actually have like a cross section of a tire like visually to hold and look at. Yeah. 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 Cause you, cause you sense. can, cause there, there's definitely been times where like you, you know, you have a 2d drawing and you're like, Oh, this looks sick. And then you print it out and you're like, <laughs> Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> Got to make some changes. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. Um, a lot, like I said, a lot of a lot of feedback in uh, in data collecting goes in on the front end. But yeah, hopefully, once we cut that mold, we're we're got it as close to yeah close to right as we can. Have you ever thought about having a a Maxis branded Sharpie? <laughs> yes, it, I have. Actually, it, yeah. Dude, it has to feel like from your guys' perspective. Yeah, to see other racers who are not sponsored by Maxis sharp sharpieing out their Maxis hot patches to use your tires. That's got to feel good, I imagine. It does. It does. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to say it doesn't yeah. feel good. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, 
um, we love racing. We're all huge fans of racing and, um, we want to see the world's fastest be at their best. And if that means, you know, they're not riding some sponsor correct equipment, then, you know, so be it. And I mean, you know, we, the, the teams reach out to us and we work with them. I mean, the, the, you know, the bicycle industry is, is, is a pretty small place mm-hmm. and, um, it's filled with a bunch of really good people. So, um, yeah, everybody helps each other out. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we just, we just, everybody just wants to see a good show. Everybody wants their riders to feel as comfortable as they can on race day. Cause I mean, I mean, you see how fast these boys and girls are going these days. It I has mean, nothing in common with what we do. No, no. <laughs> Holy yeah, shit. <laughs> yeah. You think you're fast until you see a, a world cup pro go by and yeah. then you're like, I will never be fast. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's if, for people that haven't ridden with, haven't been lucky enough to ride with a top World Cup pro, it, it it almost doesn't make sense. Yeah. To see what these people can do on their bikes. Yeah. Yeah. Tires are such a mental thing too. I feel like sometimes, like if I have a tire and I maybe I I like in the first ride or two I have an experience on it that surprises me or something and catches me out. It might not be the tire's fault at all. Like maybe I just didn't see how dusty the rock was. Yeah. I took a shit line choice like yeah. usual. Yeah. In my head, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe these aren't the tires for me, you know? But, like, it's such a mental battle with tires sometimes, eh? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, um, the you, to, to, to talk bad on one of our products, I guess, like, the Ardent is my far and away least favorite tire it, that we make. It's and best in 29, though, to be, to be sure. This is true. Yes. This is true. Um, but, yeah, um, like, I just absolutely hate that tire um and it's it you know long before i worked at, at maxis when i was i was riding it like it was just yeah like i like it wasn't predictable and i had some sketchy moments on it and i was like this tire's dead to me yeah, you know exactly, so yeah. it, and it is like like i said you want to have that confidence in your in your equipment whatever it is um you know i mean i know not all of us are are going world cup speeds by any means but you, you know you don't that's when you're dropping into some steep line or, or you, you don't, that you don't want that in the back of your head, yeah. you know, what's my tire going to do? Um, or what, you know, what's my fork going to do? What's my shock going to do? Are my brakes going to keep in like, mind that this comes just after like five minutes after I told you, I want the tires that don't have yeah. all the traction. <laughs> Maybe don't listen to me, everybody. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, let's, I want to talk about tire inserts. Yeah. Um, first I want to go on the record yet again is saying it seems kind of silly to be putting chunks of foam in our very fancy mountain bike tires on our $2,000 carbon wheel sets. It seems like a a stone age solution to me, but they do work, especially here. Yeah, they do. Um, Yeah, you know, inserts are um, definitely, it's a personal choice, personal preference. Um, I've used them off and on. I... um, I used to just absolutely destroy wheels. Um, and I think it was mostly just shitty line choice. Um, (laughs) so, um, and I got tired of, of having to buy new rims and, and wheels all the time. So I, I was like, I can't afford this. This is not sustainable. So I really like adapted my riding style as I, you know, as I progress in my riding, like I try to focus on being, you know, smooth and choosing good lines and, um, you know, and if, obviously you can have a bad day and 
catch a rock just right or yeah. and uh and and get a flat but um but yeah inserts i mean i i think they they do change the ride quality um so it's a really again like it's it's like going from one of our XO casing tires if you if you're running like let's say you rode back to back you rode an XO minion and then you rode a downhill casing minion like they would have distinctly different ride qualities very much different damping feel yeah yeah exactly so you're just going to mute stuff on the trail um you're not going to feel like all the little imperfections and stuff like that as much yeah. so um but again you know the, like we were talking about earlier there's a trade-off in weight and and everything so our, I mean, I think our our tires on their own are are you know some of the most durable in the world. You know, I mean they're they're proven at the World Cup level every single weekend. Um, so I think a lot of people who choose to run inserts, it's they they like the ride quality that it gives their bike and. Uh, I think it's also, it is great for wheel protection. You oh, know? yeah. Um, Especially if you have those expensive wheels yeah. that you bought that yeah. may or may not have a warranty, you know, like, yeah, yeah, give me the inserts. For sure. But, I, you know, I see people running, um, you know, maybe inserts in, in situations where it doesn't necessarily make sense, where, you know, maybe you're running like a light, super light casing tire with an insert, and that's just... I don't know. Just run a heavier casing tire. That's it. Yeah. That's what I would do. Um, yeah. I I didn't. Um, I liked the uh, certain aspects of the that really damped ride quality, um, but I didn't like the trade off in weight. And mm-hmm. so for me personally, for like how again how I ride, where I ride, it wasn't worth the you know two hundred two hundred fifty gram a wheel. Um, weight penalty. I was like, you shiver when you say that (laughs) in my wheel. No way. (laughs) I mean, and we could, you know, we could make tires more durable, but again, like we talked about earlier, then you're adding weight. And so there's that balance. Yeah. 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 I feel like tire brands should be making inserts. Like I feel like it's ripe for Maxis inserts. Maybe, maybe not integrated with the tire. Of course, like tires wear out much faster than inserts wear out, but Mm -hmm. Maxis inserts next year, the year after, or is that something that we might see? I don't know. I'm just guessing. It's it's possible. It's actually something um, we did a, a little bit of development on uh, a couple of years back, but I think just with uh, a lot of the other projects we had going on, and then COVID just absolutely, you know, sending everyone in a tailspin, and um, that's just something that's kind of fallen off our radar. Uh, for the moment, but we, you know, we test everybody's inserts that come out as well. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it it does make sense from, from certain aspects, right? Like we're a tire company. So like, why not have inserts as well? But then if you look at our broader company, like our expertise is in rubber, you know, um, like it's not in foam. So that's like a whole, like, like we would have to build basically, you know, a different engineering team to hire a pool noodle specialist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Precisely. So, and, uh, those are hard to come by right yeah, now. Yeah. So, kids, if you're out there and you, you don't know what you want to be when you grow up pool noodle specialist and you'll don't listen to me kids. <laughs> are you, when you're testing tires, testing and developing tires, are you doing it now with inserts in mind. I mean, where, where we live, where I live up here in BC in Squamish, 
I mean, I bet 70% of people are running inserts, which, like we said, it completely changes the way the tire feels. So do you see a future maybe where there are tires designed specifically for inserts? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's that's definitely something we've had to take into consideration because I think, you know, certain inserts can be a real pain in the ass <sighs> to mount. Yeah. You know, and, I don't uh, do it. We have, I pay, <laughs> I pay the intern and donuts to do the inserts yeah. now. <laughs> I mean, that's the real reason I don't ride inserts, right? Yeah. I mean, they suck. It's all those out. nervous breakdowns you have in the garage. Installing yeah. Them. yeah. I mean, uh, there's been times where, um, yeah, you're just like, I'm going to put this wheel down and I'll come back to it tomorrow. Dude, when we do huck to flat, oh. sometimes we have to install, like if we have 10 bikes yeah. and there's inserts on both ends, there's been times where <sighs> me and other people have installed 20 tire inserts. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Anyways, what were, what were you saying? Tires with inserts designed in mind. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that that is something we have to look into, like the, the bead tolerances, right? Like, do we need to increase our bead tolerance um, to allow a little bit of more wiggle room for, you know, for installing an insert? Um, because that's, you know, we, we've seen... Um, you know, you can actually damage the bead of the tire and, and, you know, essentially like warp your casing installing an insert. If you're using a tire lever and you're really reefing on it, you can, yeah, you can basically ruin your bead and then, yeah. And then your tires kind of shot. You mentioned beads and how tight they fit. Why the heck do some companies tires, like I, I know the obvious answer to this, but it's, it's frustrating when I get a set of tires in and they go on wheel set A easily. I get another set of tires in and they go on wheel set A after I've like wrecked my fingers and been crying for 20 <laughs> minutes. What's going on with the inconsistencies? Not, not, I feel like it's in, it's consistent for a brand, mm -hmm. but it's inconsistent from brand to brand. Like tires fit differently. Yeah. So there are, I mean, we, we manufacture our tires to ETRTO standards, which is like the European technical Everybody says they do. Regulation. Though. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess, you know, they might have, I don't know if they have internally different tolerances. I'm not sure. Yeah. But, and maybe the, you know, whatever material they're using for the bead or, or how much rubber is around that bead, like the actual design around the bead itself, um, that could be playing a, a role and then a lot of it is is the wheels too i mean there's so many wheel companies and rim manufacturers out there and it mm -hmm. seems like there's a new wheel brand like popping up every day um and yeah like some of these companies are manufacturing to etrto standards which would be ideal because then everything in theory should mm -hmm. play nice together but um you know we don't always have the information that's a question we get a lot they're like well these tires how like how are these tires going to mount to these like super random wheels and they're like yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know how it goes. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um I have I have some questions about recycling here. There's lots of talk about recycling, especially rubber things like tires that are probably a whole bunch easier to rebuild into something else um than stuff like a carbon bike frame or metal things. And I mean, we talked about this a bit before we started recording, but I know recycling isn't the holy grail and it's much more complicated than just melting tires and making new ones. But do you guys have any plans to do any sort of recycling program in the future? 
Uh, it's it's something that we've talked about a lot, and and yeah, it's really it's really hard to recycle anything, as we were talking about before we started. I mean, yeah. you know, and name it. Like it's it's hard to it's hard to recycle. I mean, unless you're just it takes energy. Like recycling is right. not the holy grail of things. <laughs> it's it's not unfortunately. So. Uh, and there's a lot of, I mean, apart from that, um, you know, like really how, like what, what can we even salvage from like a roached minion, like folding bead, you know, are you yeah, going to like yeah. pull out the aramid fibers and, and how do make, you get like, those tires too? Right. That's, I would say that's, that's like goes to the logistics side of it. Like, how do we go about collecting those? Like, do we, are we having bike shops collect them then? Like then, ship them then, to you on right, a big boat, right? Or in and a then plane? what? Like so, it's it's way more complicated than just I'm going to recycle these. Right. Tires. It's not as easy as just saying like, oh yeah, just pop up a recycling bin out in front of your shop, and like <laughs> everything will be you know green and beautiful, yeah. and yeah. the bunnies will play in the rainbows <laughs> and and all that. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, we 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 care a lot about the environment. I mean, we all live here together on this planet, so like try to try to keep it as nice as we can. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we do, we're starting to use, um, uh, recycled rubber in like, uh, certain versions of our tires more on like the, uh, commuter side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're taking steps, but again, um, finding out where like our efforts are best spent and what actually makes sense and what is actually going to make a difference is, um, it's not as easy or as cut and dry, I think, as a lot of people may, yeah. may think, unfortunately. And I'm, you know, like, like I said earlier, you only need so much rubber mulch on like kid playgrounds, right? There's, there's only, yeah, there's only so many playgrounds that need to be covered in mulch. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, Let's move on from recycling to racing. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered why some of the top pro downhill racers don't have, or maybe they do special qualifying or race day tires that are built with like a ridiculously soft compound, slow rebounding rubber that isn't going to last for more than a handful of runs, but gives them the traction that they need. First off, are you guys doing that? And you can spill the beans right now. (laughs) (laughs) We, we do make certain uh, tires available only to our teams. Um, Like I know this is, uh, a lot of people might be uh, upset to hear this, but we make a DHR in a 2.5, for instance. Um, like aftermarket, or it's only available in a, a 2.4, right? That's the most common size. It comes in a 2.6 as well, but we don't offer it in a 2.5. But we had teams that wanted it in a 2.5, so you know we cut a mold for them, and and that's something that we offer. Um, again, it's only to our like big factory race programs and. Um, and they don't even use that like all the time. There's only specific tracks because I mean, they really like, you know, when you're talking about a tire that's wider, it's also a little bit taller. So that's, if you're running it, you know, front and back, that's like changing your bottom bracket height. And so that, you know, when you really start to like nerd out, nerds, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, we, we do offer team teams tires that you can't get like, uh, like our cross country athletes, Nino and, um, like the ghost factory team and, uh, they're on 170 TPI Aspens and recon races. And that's not something we offer aftermarket. And that's, I mean, honestly, it's because they would just be like wildly expensive. (laughs) And those 
probably even more so than our uh our like downhill tires are kind of like race day only you know like the durability is not going to be great on them and that's that's why we don't want to offer that for sale and then have somebody have you know put a 170 tpi minion or 170 tpi aspen on their bike and you know they're just doing like general trail riding and then they get a flat the first time out and they're like really upset because this tire was 150 dollars or whatever we'd have to sell it for um yeah i had a guy at sea otter asking about that this year he was like why can't you buy the 170 tpi aspens i want those and i was like it'll last you three days yeah well so yeah and i was like assuming this guy was a cross-country racer right yeah and he said no he wanted them for his uh turbo levo sl rolling speed baby (laughs) i was like wait dude so you you're on an e-bike already and you want like like beyond the lightest offering that we have available like so yeah people want weird things um and then on the going back to the downhill side, we do offer um, a couple of tires with like different puncture protection. Oh. Um, it's a it's a ZK, which is the just the name of the the fabric that we use, and it's uh, it actually came from our road line, and it's um, it's kind of similar to like a Kevlar, but it's it's really light, it's really lightweight, it's really um, really flexible, really expensive. Um, really hard to work with. Like it's hard, like we had to get different machines to even cut it. Cause like, that's how, mm. like, that's, you know, how durable it is compared to the other kind of like puncture protection layers that we offer. Yeah. Um, and so that is, uh, as used as a breaker. So when we talk about puncture protection, you can have puncture protection in the sidewalls. So that's like our XO. You get a puncture protection bead to bead. That's like our silk shield. And then a breaker would just be a layer that's just under the tread itself. So um, we're taking our standard downhill casing tires that you and I can go to the shop right now and go buy. Um, and then we're adding that ZK layer underneath the tread um, just for additional puncture protection. And, I mean, that was that was something that really wasn't even needed until a couple of seasons ago, just as... Yeah, I mean, yeah. just every everyone's going faster. Like it's the, ridiculous. Yeah, the bikes are, everything's more capable, right? Every, yeah. The riders are more capable. The bikes are more capable. The tracks are gnarlier. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't that wasn't like in a big issue. You know, of course, you see like flats can happen in race runs, but um, yeah, we we it wasn't like a a common complaint or concern of the teams like tire durability until the last few years and they're like we need something like even more durable than your downhill casing so yeah so we do we do offer um there are like you know kind of some secret pro only pro only things but going back to your question about the the rubber itself um we could i mean we could produce a compound that's like super you know super sticky and like super slow rebounding but that's not always what they want, you know, because, um, you know, depending on the, what tire, the tread design, the knob height, when you start getting into like super soft rubber, there's not a lot of support then for that knob. So you get a lot of knob squirm and then that's, you'd have to essentially redesign the tread pattern once the compound got right. too soft, right? as soft as you wanted or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. And you know, it, it might just not be the best 
the you know the best compound yeah. for the the situation. So yeah, um, they talk about rolling speed too, which so it honestly that surprises me. Like if I was racing down Val de Sol, I might want less rolling speed. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know that at all the traction. Yeah. yeah. So basically, what you're saying is. There aren't, you're not making like super soft, sticky rubber compounds for pro mm. racers, but they are getting some special casings, it sounds like. And, yes. And unique tire widths. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, like the, you know, the max grip that, like, again, that you and I can go buy and any of the listeners can go buy right now, that's the same, the same compound that, you know, Jackson Goldstone's winning on. So, yeah. All right. You guys just released the new Forecaster. So, I want to talk about that tire for a bit. It looks like the kind of tire that would suit me. Like it's a bit higher volume, a bit faster rolling than some other more aggressive tires. Yeah. But I read some comments. I think it was Casimir that reviewed it. Yep. I read some comments and it is a little bit heavier yeah. than I expected. But I feel like that goes back to what we were just talking about. Like everything is so much more capable now that you guys are kind of up against it that way. So tell, tell me about this new forecaster. Yeah, well, you know, we were going to call it the Levitator, but um, we couldn't. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> we couldn't get that through legal. Um, but no, yeah, so the new Forecaster, we just launched it uh, at Eurobike. Um, and the original tread pattern was kind of um, more XC. It was kind of aimed at either wet racing or like kind of general XC riding in the shoulder seasons. Um and it was never, never like a huge seller for us. Um, you know, I didn't actually realize that it even was like remotely popular until we release a new version, and then you hear all the people, "No, they're taking yeah. away the the forecast." And I, I get it. I mean, it was, um, you know, it had a decent knob on it, um, and it was lightweight. I think that's the biggest thing that yeah. that uh, the biggest uh, complaint that we've heard about the new version, but. The new version has a lot more knobs on it, um, and it's a little it's a little bigger, so it's it, a wider casing. And then sorry to interrupt, but yeah. that's it's it's interesting that you say that. Like when I think of a tire being heavier, I immediately think, oh, it's got a it's got a burlier, thicker, more robust casing. But I mean, if you have more knobs, obviously, like yeah, rubber weighs. Yeah, right. I never so, really thought of that. Yeah, so it's a it's a more densely packed tread pattern if you compare it side by side to the to the original. So there's just a lot more knobs on the casing, and knobs are made out of rubber. Rubber adds weight. Yeah, there you go. Simple. So I mean, it's the same. And again, a little wider, so that's part of it. You just have a little more casing material. Yeah. There's a little more rubber on that casing, you know, because it's wider. So um, it all adds up. Who's um, it for? It is for, I think, uh, just a lot of trail riders, honestly. If you're just riding, um, you know, like just general trail riding, we see it being really ideal for bikes in the kind of like, you know, maybe 100 to 130 mil travel range. Like 140 is probably starting to push kind of the intended use limits of the tire. Um, But yeah, anybody that just wants to go go fast but have some good some good cornering traction, like it's a it's a great tire. Um, like I said, I was running on my high tower again, a little probably a little too much bike for it, but um, um, yeah, very capable, um, very fast rolling, just yeah, great great all around all purpose trail tire. 
Do you have any here with you that you could give me so I could try some? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come see you later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what What else is in the pipeline from Access? Yeah, so we also, uh, this summer, we launched a bike park spec version of three different tread patterns. So we had the DHF, the DHR2, and the Asagai, of course, being our you know yeah. most popular gravity treads. And so the bike park spec is it's a wire bead instead of a folding bead um it's still tubeless ready though so it's fully tubeless compatible um and then it has uh a compound a a specific compound just for the tire which is a little bit um longer wearing so it's intended kind of more for um rental fleets you know like the big rental fleets here at whistler or any bike park around the world um and then just, I mean, if you're a park rat looking to save a little bit of money, you yeah. know, and uh, get a little bit more life out of your tires. Is it available in 26 inch? It is not available. Oh, in come on. Inch. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's the, the forecaster and the, the bike park spec are, are the newest things that are out now. And we've got a bunch more things in the works. Um, we have, uh, um, some stuff coming on the cross country side that, uh, that, the Scott Schramm team has been really instrumental in developing with us. Um, so, uh, that will probably launch at Sea Otter next year. Um, we have, so there, there's some stuff around the comp- compound coming. And then, um, we have an XC mud tread that, um, I think it's not really, a. There's been so many spy shots of it already. It's it's well known, but that's the the severe. So for the people who are cross country racers and who um, were using the forecaster like in race situations, we do have a dedicated cross country mud tire coming. So um, so hold on, uh, we'll, we we are gonna we are gonna kind of backfill that that hole that we created when we kind of moved the the forecaster up the capability range. So. Yeah. Um, so that, that will be launching next year. And then, um, we do have a couple tread patterns in the works. Um, probably can't say too much about, but, um, you're not going to tell the people about the Asagai semi-slick that's coming? (laughs) (laughs) The slick ass? Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's coming. Uh, that'll be next summer. Stay tuned. Yeah. But uh, no, but we have uh, we 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 do have uh, some some other things in the works on the mountainside. We have a, a new, um, I will say, very aggressive um, tread coming that I'm pretty excited about. Um, and then yeah, we've got some some new gravel stuff. Uh, oh, now we're talking. I know. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> New stuff on the roadside, um, you know, because I mean, we are. I mean, we're, we're probably best known for our mountain bike tires, right? But we do offer tires for yeah, literally Just everything in the cycling world. For Maxis, mountain bike tires make up seventy percent, if I had to guess. Uh, probably, yeah, right around there. Yeah, okay. I mean, like we're 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 big in mountain. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think everybody knows that. But, um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, we're adding to our gravel line. We're revamping a couple of tread patterns on that side. We have a new tread pattern coming. Um, so yeah, just a lot of stuff across and the board. Size slimming down the skews. Slimming down the skews. Yeah, yeah, slimming down skews. And then we are adding some back in. Like the forecaster is going to be available, and and you know we're going to add to the sizes that we're offering to that. So um, yeah, 
So lot, right. lot, there's always stuff in the pipeline. Things coming. Let yeah. me know. Yeah. Let me know. All right. Should we should we turn this thing off and talk about car tires Let's instead? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. That's it for my chat with Aaron. I hope you guys enjoyed. Put those comments about tires down below and we'll get in to answer them. Yeah. Thanks and we'll see you next podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.